Good morning. I hope you're doing well this morning. We're studying the book of Ephesians. In, uh, we're on chapter 4 uh, and in uh, verse 8. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. You know, all, all false passages dealing with spiritual gifts uh, in, 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 the, in the body of Christ talk about diversity in the body and yet working together. In other words, when he deals with spiritual gifts, he, he, he divides the gifts into different areas where it's explanatory and it helps you to understand what Paul is talking about. For instance, he said, the body made up of many members and uh, of, of whom must function together in order for the body to grow. Romans 12, 4 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 12 31, uh, when he talks about the gifts, it deals with uh, the members. The gifts in the body of Christ uh, operates in diversity. Now, diversity means that we're not the same. You see, we're different. Uh, some have uh, different gifts than others. And we, the idea is that the body being so different have to work together. And uh, uh, each member is given the gifts as to be used in maturing the body. If you go into uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 4, why all these gifts are given that produce sanctification and convicting of the Holy Spirit. Why the, 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 the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher, why these five-fold ideas is so important? It's because, according to Paul, he says, because it's for the perfecting of the saints. Well, that's Paul, but as far as church goes, that doesn't fit in this scenario today. I'll give you an example. If you have a problem and you go to a church in your area, the chances that uh, the pastor will refer you to another counselor in a professional area is very, very strong. The possibility is very high. Why? Because pastors don't want to deal with dirty laundry. They don't want to deal with problems. They don't want to deal with need. They want to give a message and take an offering. So without this diversity... Without this difference, what happens is you grow as a teacher, but the teaching is not really led by the Holy Spirit. Without this diversity, the pastor preaches, but it's not convicting. Without this diversity, there's no power in the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle. And so Paul is dealing with something that today is completely ignored by the majority of the mainline churches, that pastors are not someone to do counseling. Pastors are not people that can deal with dirty laundry. And, and so, uh, now Paul, in this, in this chapter, and I'll read it to you where I am, it's chapter 4, verse 7. It says, For unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Meaning, some people get more, some people get less. That's no problem. Okay? And then it says, To all 
we all come to the unity of faith. Well, we're not uh, united, period. You know, that, there's no, no such a thing as uh, a united concept. Amen? And so, so why does, does the, the gifts then, Paul is saying, need to operate? They need to operate in the life of the church to where the members of the body are then ministered to, which is not the scenario of today. You have a pastor, you have an assistant pastor, you have a, a director pastor, another pastor, and, and, uh, and pastors teaches, and, but, but uh, nobody else. And when you have a church to where everything depends on the pastors, the people of God is puny, weak, wimp. They don't have power. They don't have ministry outside. How can you live outside of the church and minister to the masses when you are not recognized by your own pastor? Now at this point, then Paul uses a psalm uh, number 68, verses 18 and 19. Why would Paul do that? Why would Paul bring the psalm? And, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that just got to me. You know, I'm sitting down there with my Bible in front of me. Well, Paul, what are you doing here? You lost me. You're talking about diversity in the body and the, 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 the gifts being given by God, and suddenly you go to Psalm 68. What are you talking about? Well, Psalm 68 uh, says this. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captive Captivity, captive. When he ascended on high, he led captivity, captive, and gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what it is but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended it is the same who ascended far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now that's Psalm 68. Why would Paul bring that up? It don't make any sense. And so let's take a look. Psalm 68 is Paul taking a look at Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, and then all the way to uh, descending from Mount Sinai and ascending to Mount Zion. Now, ascending is the way you deal with Jerusalem. You never, you never descend in Jerusalem. You're always ascending. Because Jerusalem is in, is in a high peak, a high level. It's, it's the highest, one of the highest places in the face of the earth. You know, in Israel there's a high Jerusalem, and the Dead Sea is the lowest. And so, Paul presents Yahweh, the Lord, as a mighty warrior, descending from Mount Sinai, winning every battle for his people, and then ascending to Mount Zion, surrounded by his angelic host, in order to establish his temple there for the millennium. It is a prayer that the power of God be again established in the earth. And so Psalm 68, 68, it's a prayer. David is praying. One of the lines here, he talks about, he took many captives from opposing armies. And so I want to read a little bit of Psalm 68 for you to get an idea. May God arise. May His enemies be scattered. May His foes flee from Him, before Him. May you blow them out like smoke, as wax melt before the fire. 
May the wicked perish before God. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. That's what I've been praying this morning. I get my joy back. Sing to the Lord. Sing in praise in His name. Exalt Him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before Him. His name is the Lord. Father of the fatherless, defender of the widows, is God in His holy dwelling. God sets the lowly in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in sun-scorched land. When you, God, went out before your people, when you marched to the wilderness, the earth shook, the heavens poured down rain before God, the God, the, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. You gave abundant showers, O oh God. You refresh your weary inheritance. Your people settle in it. And from your bounty, God, you provided for the poor. And then he comes to verse 11. The Lord announces the word, and the women who proclaim it are a mighty throng. The chariots of God are ten thousands of ten thousands of thousands. The Lord has come from Mount Sinai to His sanctuary. Now, Mount Sinai is, is, in, a, is in Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. Sanctuary is the temple to build in Jerusalem uh, for the millennium. Now you get an idea. When you ascended on high, okay, going into Jerusalem, you took many captives from the time that Israel left uh, uh, Egypt. They took prisoners everywhere. God gave them favor. And you received gifts from people. God, and he's saying, God, you received gifts from people. God, you received gifts from the people. Even the rebellious that your God might dwell there. The people gave gifts. They gave offerings. They gave, they gave God all kinds of sacrifices. Okay? And so, notice that, that, that the people gave God offerings. Now, when you get to Jerusalem, okay, he's going to begin talking about God gave gifts to men. You see the word here? The people gave gifts to God during the wilderness, in the Median Desert. But when they get to the temple, Jesus, God, began to give gifts to men. It's in, it's in here, uh, on, uh, according to the measure of the gift of Christ, and gave gifts to men. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high... Going in ascension, going to Jerusalem. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. So what does it mean? It means simply this. That as you approach the holiness of God, people become the most important thing that you can ever imagine. Meaning that the purpose of the prophet, the, 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 the apostle, uh, the evangelist, the pastor and the teacher is to increase the body, is to help the body, is to prepare the church. And so when you begin to ascend into Jerusalem, God began giving gifts. And this some they provide a view for the entire history of Israel, from Exodus to the establishment of the temple in Jerusalem. That's a powerful passage. South says, Jesus of Arifah, powerful passage. These captured armies will summit to the power, submit to the power of the cross. And so, I hope that you are getting an idea. What Paul is saying on chapter 4 is that 
The people gave gifts to God, but now God gives, God gives gifts to men. And he, on verse 11, mentions the prophet, the apostle, the prophet, the, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. So it fits, because these offices are gifts from God. I know that your church don't have one of them. You're only the pastor. Now, can the church in America win the victory of bringing the cross and the millions of people to Christ? No. Why? Because they depend on the pastor to be the one who can do that, and they don't accept anything else. In other words, I've been an evangelist for 50 years. But let me tell you this, I got the left foot of fellowship for 42 years. You know, people didn't like me much or, or gave me the opportunity to preach, which didn't work, I'm doing anyway. Amen? <laughs> so what I'm saying to you is that, is that all these themes, ideas from Psalm 68, as Jesus, the divine warrior, winning the victory, returning to his grateful people, the new Israel establishing his throne in Jerusalem, it, it has to do with his will, his desire. If you have a prophetic ministry, I call you to fulfill it. If you have a ministry that is uh, in the area of evangelism, that you, I'll call you to fulfill it. If you have a ministry that is apostleship, to move into the nations and preach the gospel to the nations, you should fulfill it. Listen, it's very impossible that God would take you out, out of the prophetic ministry of the apostleship, into the teacher. You know, some people are called to be the apostle. And suddenly they change their minds and become the teacher. In other words, when you get to this level here, you are in a level to where God can use your life. And I'm talking to you that lost your call. You have no desire. You have no desire to go to missions. You have no desire to go to Cuba anymore. You have no desire to go to Peru or go to Brazil anymore. But there's a remnant that are ready to go. You know, on the 31st of the month of July, we have 25 people going to Brazil. And we're going to preach the gospel all day long in the bar, in the streets. We're going to minister to people and tell them about Jesus. And that, my friend, is what Paul is saying. Why do the gifts need to be uh, uh, empowered for the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. You don't have a grown-up church unless these people can do their ministry. And so, when you begin to look at this, you see Psalm 110. Sit in my right hand, the Lord says to my Lord, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Psalm 110, verse 1. The second one is Colossians 2.15. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them by the cross. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that the power of the cross, the power of the resurrected Lord, the power of the gospel is only applicable in your life when you exercise the gifts God gives you. You don't exercise the gifts that God gives you. You begin to preach Something that is not necessarily accepted or has power in it. So let's take a look. Let's see Mark chapter 37. Okay. Took many captives, demonic forces, and his strain. Meaning that Jesus Christ 
began bound Satan with his death by, by, by moving into the depths of the lower parts of the earth uh, immediately before his ascension in, in glory which would be done in total, total triumph his first he first went down into paradise and delivered all the believing souls in that region which he did so when you begin to deal with this I want you to visualize the evil power bound marching in defeat behind the victory chariot of Christ at his ascension so Paul uses Psalm 68 to explain this ascended at Pentecost the Holy Spirit ascended and descended as Jesus came bearing gifts to men just as Moses ascended to Mount Sinai Jesus descended from heaven to give gifts to men so is that true? oh yes I am a, I'm an evangelist I've been an evangelist for 50 some years I used to have black hair now I don't know what I have but I'm <laughs> but I'm still serving there's no condemnation in me I'm here, I'm delivered, I'm blessed of God I'm forgiven, Who? hallelujah so I'm saying to you this, this, this morning that if you're going to serve the Lord you've got to learn to ascend and descend having then gifts according to the grace that is given to us where the prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 12, 12, 11 the doctrine folks of spiritual gifts is critical for the church today I went into a large conference there were about 2,000 people there and the preacher preached about all kinds of wonderful things and at the end of an hour message he said you should have uh, something to do with the word of knowledge in your life he should have talked about the word of knowledge for about an hour I don't remember anything he said but that we should pursue why the fear why the anxiety why the turmoil not to mention the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they're given by God and nobody wants it because the devil wants to convince you that you can do ministry in your own power if you do ministry in your own power you are a defeated Christian every believer must accept and be satisfied with their particular gifts developing them use them to enhance the church and build up those around us we are to use our gifts to serve not to be served Mark 10.45 or to enhance our status in church and society we are called to service and the church grows when all its members are using their God-gifting gifts for the glory of God the ministry of the church and the well-being of one another if you do not understand this then might as well take out the Bible Ephesians 4 and tear it apart and throw it away because you know you don't want to accept that right in other words you can accept chapter 3 Ephesians but chapter 4 is a little bit much for you aren't you honey you just you just don't want to do nothing that looks too much Pentecostal you don't want to offend anybody you know you want to make friends and influence people and really be well loved and accepted you have this so I bind in the name of Jesus this spirit of, of pride this spirit of Methodism 
the spirit of anger and bitterness and resentment by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I come against the idea that you have anything to give to anybody except God give it to you. So those of you that live in a place where it's all Muslims, walk in the Spirit. Only depend on the Spirit. And when it comes time to preach, you preach. When it comes time to be quiet, you be quiet. And if you do that, you'll never get into trouble because you are led by the Spirit. When you are in a country like England, to where everybody speaks with a twisted tongue, and you don't understand a word they're saying, amen? Uh, you wait for the opportunity to take authority over, over a demon of pride and anger and bitterness and resentment. I don't know about this, but if you live in England, England must have the best dentist in the whole world. <laughs> in other words, uh, dentists are busy in England you know, to fix torn teeth. I, wanna, I want you to be blessed in your life. I'm just joking with you. I want you to be blessed in your life. I want you to operate in the gifts. I want you to be a joy to those that you meet. Amen. Now let's take a look at uh, let's take a look at uh, Psalm sixty-eight uh, again one more time. Sixty-eight eighteen. He has set it up on high and led captivity captive. Now on the next verse he says, but. Now what he ascended, what it is but that he also descended <coughs> in the lower parts of the earth. Why did he descend in the lower parts of the earth? To liberate souls in paradise. You remember at the cross there was uh, 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 two men on the side of Jesus and one on each side. One began to Accused and to bother the Lord, call the angels and uh, uh, and the other one said, "Don't say that, because we are guilty, but there's no sin in him." And just because he recognizes Jesus as sinless, Jesus said to him, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." They were helped captive by Satan because of the blood of bulls and goats could not take away. The sin death. And so when you see Jerusalem and Israel trying to put a goat into the altar, or a blood of a bull into the altar, or a piece of meat into the altar, you see, it did not take the sin death. It, 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 it forgave the sin, but it not took the scar of sin. And when Jesus died on the cross, the death was paid. And now he makes all of these his captives. And he gives gifts to me and to you. First Peter 3.19 says, By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison between death and resurrection. Between death and resurrection. Amen. Now this view is indeed viable. For these Gentile Christians in Ephesus would have grown up with histories and stories about the underworld. They are the most involved people on witchcraft of all kinds. So the first two categories that Paul deals with here is the apostle and the prophet. The apostle is the one that's called and sent. When Paul began to deal with that, he put his hand forward. And the apostle is right here. It's away from the other four. It separates. It's to go. It is someone God calls to move into the nations. 
There are 25 of us going to Brazil on the, on the, on the 31st of July. And, and all of them have the spirit of apostleship. And this, this is primarily important in the first century church. Because when Paul took Barnabas, when Paul took Titus, and all, all, all the men of God, Apollos, uh, he noticed them to be mighty men of God, bringing the gospel into a, a Hellenistic society full of idols. Paul called himself an apostle of Jesus Christ. In, in, in 220 uh, uh, Ephesians, apostles and the prophets were labeled the foundation of the church. Those who uh, had led the church from the beginning. It started leading the church with apostles and, and prophets. In Ephesians 3, 5, apostles and prophets are presented as channels through whom the mystery had been revealed to the church. The mystery of the cross. Now that's not true today. Today, you see, if you are an evangelist, you are stretching. Nobody is calling anybody prophets or 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 uh, an apostle. A prophet or an apostle is only mentioned in black churches today, but in white churches, in traditional churches that are Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian, I you never hear the word. And it's a mystery to me why, because you see. The pastor is in charge and nobody else can say a word. That is as demonic as hell. And he has caused the church to die as it is dying before our very eyes. So the efficient, so they're still functioning that way in the fourth decade of the church age. Meaning, it survived a long many years. After 400 years of the church in existence... There still were prophets and apostles. It's possible that this category of the apostles go beyond the twelve apostles. Barnabas I mentioned, Apollos I mentioned, and Titus, and many others. And so, in order to designate all the gifted church leaders whom Christ had sent to lead the church, you have to start begin picking the Bible, begin finding out. For instance, Agabus uh, in Acts 11.27 shows up and says to Paul, if you go to Jerusalem... If you go to uh, uh, Athens, you're going to be bound. And of course, he was bound. So, so the, 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 the problem is, is that God has, has many prophets that were there. You know, Simon was waiting upon the Lord. He was a prophet. Prophecy then deals not just with the future predictions, but also with perhaps the most important messages or directives for the church. Paul was both an apostle and a prophet. It's very important to understand this, because if you don't understand this, you're not able to listen and, 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 and recognize those that are called of God in this area. It's been, it's been often been argued that these two offices ceased in the first century and have been replaced by other in the list. Now, I want to tell you this very clear. There's no evidence for cessation of these offices in the New Testament. There's no evidence whatsoever. Some have interpreted 1 Corinthians 13.10, when the perfect is come, that which is in part will cease. This way. But that's a misinterpretation, folks. 
the perfect. There is, the, there, there is here is the final age after Christ returns, not the completion of the canon or the apostolic age. And so 1 Corinthians 13, 10 is used by the cessationists as a verse of Scripture, but they have nothing to depend on. They're just an empty gun with no bullets. There is an ample evidence that prophecy and miracles have continued down throughout the ages to our present day. As evidenced, for example, by the miraculous events that took place in the early centuries in the missionary spread of the gospel in the times of Iranus and Tur- Tertullian and, and Joaquin de Fiore. These were holy men of God who laid hands on people and they're totally healed. So while the apostolic office was held by twelve in Paul, uh, apostles continued both in the first century afterward referring to those sent to establish churches. You know, uh, so many people I know that went to Africa in their ministry <coughs> and they spread the gospel there. And so I want to tell you that uh, we're, we're, we're moving into those areas. Evangelists were those gifted specific with the ability to spread the gospel. So let's take a look here before I close. Do you get an idea of why Paul brought uh, Psalm 68 into the picture? The reason why Paul did it is to say that this move from Mount Sinai all the way to Mount Zion is only acceptable, only viable, only possible by the move of God. The gifts that God gives to men enable you to do the same as Israel did from Mount Sinai to Mount Zion. And as, as you and I begin at Mount Sinai and we move toward Mount Zion, we are then children of God, heirs of the kingdom, and we our job is to fulfill the call of God in our lives. Those of you who are listening to me today, those of you overseas, those of you in Brazil, those of you throughout the United States uh, and in, in, these, in these large areas, you know, there's 102 countries. There's almost 600 seven to 800 uh, 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 cities throughout the world that have tuned to this channel throughout the world. I want you to know that wherever you are, ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit and give a gift of the Holy Spirit to you and the call and the gifts will be next. The Lord bless you real good today. And uh, if you have some joy, pass it on to me. Thank you.